0: Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by TheTroveSportsDen.com. Come and hang out and chat with baseball pros, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM cards autograph collecting and a whole lot more it is season four episode two it is sunday january 16th you're listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast hosted by me jeff baker i am your host of the fine fine program and i'm joined by my co-host my friend mr ttm himself drew pelto welcome back to the program drew
2: hey good to be on here once again a uh, lot of a uh, lot of news ahead of us here too
1: True, I kind of feel like this straitjacket's taken off. We can talk, we can (laughs) babble, we can keep on going and just just don't worry about time. And we have all sorts of stuff to talk about i'm so excited i love when when, when you and i get together on saturday mornings the to, to do the the podcast we have all sorts of stuff it's you know what it just is I, every week there's something happening in this hobby and that's why we're here uh you know we love collecting we love autographs and we just love to to, to talk about what's going on so i'm really excited to, to, to that you can join me again today why don't people know where they can find you on youtube of course, you can find
2: me on YouTube at Drew's Autographs. It's just youtubecom slash Pelto. and uh, yeah, I'm going to be updating those monthly now. So I'm going to start doing that here going into the uh, going into this year. You can also find a link to everything that I do at DFWGrapher.com, as links to my uh, Twitter, to my uh, f- a couple of Facebook groups, Instagram, YouTube, all the stuff here that we do with TTM Cast, with uh, Sports Collectors Club. It's all right there at dfwgraffer.com.
1: Well, Drew, you mentioned Sports Collectors Club, and I am so excited. Uh, we are going to be uh, officially on the radio tomorrow, which would be Sunday, the day you might be listening to this podcast. Uh, if you missed the show, don't worry about it. Uh, the show is called the Sports Collectors Club, it is on the um, Sports Map Radio Network, which is on about 110 stations. All across the country, it is going to be played or is being played every Sunday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. That's Eastern time. Uh, that, that'll be, yeah, you can listen to it there. If you miss the show for whatever reason, you can also go to sportscollectorsclub.com and all our shows will be there. So our first show that we recorded um, as a test is up there. Now you can get check it out. And uh, I'm sure if you check it out after Sunday the 16th, it will. Uh, you'll be able to listen to our second show. So Sports Collectors Club, it's called the sportscollectorsclub.com. We are on Sports Collectors Club on the SportsMap radio network every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And Drew, I've never been on the radio before. I don't even think I've, I've called in to ask a question on the radio. So I'm really excited about this. I know it's old hat for you, but, you know, being on the radio is pretty cool for me. It's always
2: fun the first time you hear yourself on the radio. So I definitely get where you're coming from on that. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to being able to hear it and see and just to see how it how it all goes.
1: Well, it's fun because you, for you, could you have a radio voice? You know, you have that great, deep radio professional voice, broadcaster's <laughs> voice. I have this little crappy voice that I've been given, but <laughs> still, I'm so I'm so excited. So, guys, check it out. Uh, We are keep in mind we are still doing the ttm cast we will be doing our podcast every week ttm cast uh will continue it is an extension of the radio the radio show we're talking about it is only an hour long uh our our podcast will have extended interviews more content and uh some kind of cool stuff and we'll, we'll be having all sorts of prizes and giveaways on both ttm cast and on the radio show as we go so please we ask you to listen to both, support our sponsors, support our radio show. Once again, I'm going to say it one more time because I'm so excited. I'm so proud of the work that Drew and I have been doing, and I hope you enjoy it. It is called Sports Collectors Club. It is at sportscollectorsclub.com. You can listen to it on the SportsMap Radius. Network, which is on 110 stations across the country. So check it out. We are on Sunday mornings. That's right. Sunday mornings, bright and early from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. So while you're up reading the Sunday uh, paper, or I don't know if people do that anymore, Drew, but uh, I'm, I'm going back into the 50s <laughs> and having your breakfast. Check it out. It's on uh, Sports Radio. Check your local listings to find the local Sports Radio station in your area. Well, this week, Drew, as always, we have a great, uh, great show for you guys, and, and I uh, had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Jim Cott, who I'm a huge fan of. I was a huge fan of him, of course, of course played 25 years in the major leagues as a pitcher with the uh, Washington Senators, Minnesota Twins, uh, Chicago White Sox, New York Yankees, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and Philadelphia Phillies. He just got elected to the Hall of Fame, which is well-deserved. He's kind of been on the cusp for, for the last couple of years. And I'm so pleased that he made the Hall of Fame. And Jim joins us talking about uh, making the Hall of Fame as well as uh, collecting, doing t- you know TTM and uh, dealing with collectors. And it's a-, a really fun interview. So tune in for that at the-, at the end of the show next week, which will be January 23rd. We have Ma- Max Beagle, who is the president of CSG. So um, we're gonna have a great show next week for you as well. But this week have Jim Cott. We have our, all our regular segments. We have Baker's Dozen, we have Making the Great, we have the TTM Cast stamp of approval, we have the Burn Rap Minute, and we have wah wah wah, no returns for me. Drew's returns. <laughs> <laughs> so we have all sorts of cool stuff. Guys, text us at our text line if you're in, if you want to send us feedback, uh, questions, if you are interested in being a guest on a future show. We have uh, we always love to hear from you guys. You can text us at 978-729-0662. We'll get do our best to get back to you. Or you can email us. What's the email address, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. That's right. Ttmcast at yahoo.com. We are our podcast is found everywhere. Podcasts are. We also are on social media. We're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter drew drew posts all the time i post all the time so follow us on, on social media we just we we are very passionate about our hobby we love collecting we love autographs and we love to hear from you so uh you know drop us the line um we just want to uh, we're so excited about everything that's going on this week and we're ready to go jump right into the show with speakers dozen <laughs> Baker's Dozen is the new summary What's going on in the hobby. And, Drew, I, I have so much adrenaline going, you know? I'm just, like, all pumped up. I, I, I We just start talking collecting and cards. And, he, like, you and I start talking 10 minutes or 15 minutes for the show. And I, I, I get all excited. I see Drew. I'm like, I get to talk cards with Drew. It's so much fun. So <laughs> we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week.
2: You know, it's like you said earlier about, you know, having the straight jacket taken off there. It is so hard with the radio show. There, being able to just limit it to only like, you know, two minutes at a time, 10 minutes at a time, anything like that. We can actually, you know, open up and let the show breathe here when we do the podcast there, which I think is really great. A lot of fun. It's, it's, it's been around longer, but it's kind of the bonus content, too. So it's like, I don't know. It's just it's, I like it. I definitely like this. I'm looking forward to getting through all the stuff we've got here, too.
1: Yeah, Drew, Drew, you know, you've been with us for about six months now and I hope you love the show as much as I do because, you know, I've been doing it for four years we're on our, our, our fourth year of doing this podcast and between everyone out there, you and I, we're not making a nickel on this, guys. This is, right. this, this is all for fun. We are doing this solely for fun. So, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying what we're doing. Let us know how we're doing. But, um, well, you know, one of the the big news stories this week and and, uh, this uh, Logan Paul uh, with the fake Pokemon case. I don't know if you guys know about it. Logan Paul's kind of a um, YouTube Internet creator. And uh, he, you know, he's made millions and millions of dollars doing this. He was kind of one of the first guys that, that came in and started creating all this kind of funny content. Right. I think that's is that the best way to describe Logan Paul, Drew?
2: Sure, uh, I'm. I'm not a big fan of his, so I'll, I'll let I'll let you have the positive comments. Yeah, I mean, he, on you him
1: know, there, my so. kids like him. They're, you know, he's <laughs> uh, he's for the, he he's for the, he's for a different generation than you and I. But he is yeah. he is a big um, a big star. And I use those that, those words in quotes. But anyway, he purchased a uh, what he believed was a uh, first edition case of Pokemon card Pokemon cards, and everyone knows that that the Charizard card is going for. You know, A million, million, million and a half dollars now, and uh, you can get a couple of you're supposed to be able to get a couple of Charizard's minimum out of a, a case of Pokemon cards, the first edition. And supposedly, there's not many of these cases around. It's kind of like a 1952 Tops finding a 1952 Tops case, right? Second second edition with, with the Mickey Mantles in them. And uh, supposedly, he, he found a case of these cards, and then there was. Certified BBCE, uh, which is the uh, Baseball Card Exchange. Uh, Steve Hart and everyone who collects unopened stuff—you know—that's the 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 company that you want to see that certified because they are uh, the the reputation is untarnished, right? And they they he found they found he found a case of these cards. A friend of his had him. Somebody that he knew. He this guy bought the case probably about I don't know a year and a half ago. For like two point three million dollars, and uh, Logan Paul bought it all in good faith, and he bought it for three point five million dollars as an investment. And uh, after he bought it, and I think because he was he's so uh, prevalent in social media, um, rumors came started coming about about the the origin of this case, and that it might not be real. And Logan uh, Logan Paul, uh, you know. Bit, bit, bit the bullet on this one and, and decided to open the case just to, to prove, to see that it was real, to prove it was real. And they brought in uh, Steve Hart from BBC into a, a, his hotel room or condo. I'm, I'm not sure where it was. They were in Chicago, Chicago someplace. So I think it was a hotel room and they brought the guy, the, the guy that Logan Paul bought the case from was there and some other experts, including some people from BBC were there and they opened the case and they did this all on video. And they opened the case, and, they, you know, the, the case looked great. The the labeling looked perfect. The tape looked perfect. And uh, they opened it up, and there were all sorts of uh, ca- cases, no, boxes in there, Pokemon boxes, but they looked a little weird. They looked a little puffy, so they pulled out one of the boxes, and they opened up the, the one of the boxes, and lo and behold, it contained G.I. Joe cards. Oh, geez. And imagine you if you were Logan Paul and you just put $3.5 million into this thing and it came out with G.I. Joe cards. What do you do? I mean, oh, I man. don't know what his re, I don't know what his recourse is you know, do you sue uh Steve Hart and BBC E? Because they, you know, they uh, said it was good. They certified this thing. Yeah. Or do you try to get the money back from your friend? Or do you go after the guy that is the friend bought the, the case from or you know, to just chalk it up to, to, Oh, well, I made a bad investment and, you know, your local Logan Paul taking money off of people watching the, the video and maybe he recoups some of his funds there. I don't know. What would you do if it was you
2: drew? I think really more than anything, you have to trace it back as far as you can, you know, trace back. Okay. You got your friend that you bought from. Where did he get it from? Go back from there. Keep on going further back. It's like, I mean, working to try to bring down like a mafia group, you start the small guys and you work your way up basically. And, that's kind of what you've got to do here, I think. Start with the known owners of it. Try to trace it back and figure out okay, where exactly did this happen at? Who's the one responsible for it ultimately? Um, it's definitely a black eye on BBC. Gonna, you're not
1: gonna get your money back, right? I oh mean, yeah, you that's could get, yeah. That's gone.
2: Yeah, that's but long I mean, gone. I mean, the most you could, could you probably do this- is I mean, you could potentially sue if you can figure out eventually who did it, but even they're gonna figure out some way of going, Oh no, I, I bought it from this guy or something like that. And there's really no good recourse on something like that. And unfortunately it sucks that these things happen in the hobby. I mean, you see it even on the low end with stuff like people buying blasters at Walmart, buying the opening up all the cards and returning them loaded with, you know, a 1989 Fleer Bip Roberts, 50 copies of that thrown in back in instead. There's actually, that became a thing in the uh, collecting world for a while. There, uh, getting bipped is what they called it. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's no real good recourse on this. And, It's, I mean, B.B.C.E. is still the gold standard for when it comes to authenticating unopened packs and boxes and cases. That is a huge black eye on them, unfortunately, too. And, I mean, it's going to start to call into question any of their other stuff out there, too. And, I mean, I hopefully it's just, you know, an isolated one-time thing out there. But it raises question marks still, I mean, unfortunately. So, I mean, if it had to happen to somebody, Logan Paul is one that I'm like, oh, oh, gee, tear. But, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) that's... It still sucks for the hobby, though.
1: Well, I know um, Steve Hart, bbc they are not going to be certifying or, or authenticating Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh cards now. They're, they're re-evaluating how they do that. Um, I know there's, you know, we, we've had uh, people on talking about unopened stuff in, in uh, the 1986 Flare basketball packs are one of the big ones and, and also the 1979 80 hockey cards because of the Wayne gretzky rookie card and 1975 tops with, with all the rookie cards that are in those those are those are unopened packs are really uh have been i don't know falsified tampered mm-hmm. with whatever you want to call it so um you know when you do buy the these unopened cards you you're taking a chance right so you know i i guess me I, you know if i'm buying a night at to put twenty dollars on a 1987 unopened Tops box, and it be until, until ultimately becomes uh, fake or or, or searched, or it's no big deal. I lose my twenty bucks, but three point five million dollars is still three point five million dollars to yep. anyone. Uh, I don't know, and, and I think you know we've had the problem with uh, people forging signatures, right? So selling fa- uh, signed helmets and, and jerseys as such and, and they were fake and the federal government just kind of turns their, their cheek and it turns their eyes away from it and don't, doesn't really look at it as a, a major crime or something that can be prosecuted and I don't know what you what you what would you do about prosecuting a person that ultimately faked this stuff is it like you know I don't know is it, faking artwork is that uh you know a crime I, I don't mm-hmm. know so it's, it's something to watch out for, you know, as a hobby. We really certainly, it's a black eye in everyone. We, you know, you and I are huge autograph guys, right, Drew? And we want to, yeah. you know, if we, we, we buy an autograph or we get an autograph through the mail, we're, we're going under the assumption that it's real. You know what I mean? There's, I don't know about you. I, I haven't bought many uh, certified things. Every once in a while, I'll buy something. And if it has a, a certification for it, Great, but there's so many. You know, if you look back into the '80s and, and early '90s, there's a ton of certification companies out there that that are no longer with us. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, it's sad that people are trying to take advantage of it. But I, when, you know, when there's so much money involved, it, it's you know something we have to look forward to. And and ultimately, it's buyer beware, right, Drew?
2: It is, yeah. And I mean. That's part of the reason why I know about like my 1972 Tops project, for example. That's never going to be completed because I mean, trying to find an authentic 72 Tops Clemente signed card, and he's got three cards in there. I've, I mean, I know authenticators out there, and I've, I know one who says, yeah, I've seen uh, one of the cards in there. I had one in my collection for a while. He said, I've probably seen 20 fakes come through at times. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be putting, taking any risks on anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it just sucks that this stuff goes on. But I mean, anytime that there is something that somebody can fake and make a lot of money off it, it's going to happen. There are unfortunately are plenty of unscrupulous people in any kind of hobby that involves collecting, that involves high money, that involves anything that can be copied easily.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've always done this for the love of the the hobby and the love of collecting and not looking at so much as an investment. And I've never really spent a ton of money on the card, other than the one or two that were certified by PSA or, or, or uh, Beckett, and that I, that I, I trust the cert- certification. Uh, I kind of draw the line on, the, you know, if it's less than a hundred dollars, I'll take the shot on it, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm a little gullible in, in some instances, and I think that everything I have is, is real. And, and I know that isn't for a fact. I'm sure if you you, you went through my stuff and you looked at it, you're like, well, that one doesn't look that great. And you know what? I've always been uh, you know, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. You know what I mean? If I don't if I don't know it's fake and I think it's real to me. I, I guess that's good enough. I don't know about what about you, Drew.
2: As far as I'm concerned, everybody out there has some fakes in their collection. And if they think they don't, they're only really lying to themselves. I mean, I've gone through my own stuff here and found out later, okay, nope, that one was fake. But I'm like you, I'm not going to, I know you said your uh, your line there's 100, mine is even lower. I'm about $20. If it's going to cost me more than 20. I'm probably going to think about it before I move on from there. But even in trading with people, I mean, I had uh, a couple of years ago, there was a guy here in the Dallas area that uh, I used to graph with. And he said, hey, yeah, come on over, we'll make some trades someday. So I a couple box of autographs over there he found a whole bunch of stuff in there that he wanted i found a few in his that i wanted traded back and forth and everything and went home Posted them to a couple of facebook groups and one of my authenticator friends actually says dude none of those are good and i'm just kind of stopping stunned right there i'm like how that this and i mean this is a guy that i know that's got a decent reputation around the area but he also buys a lot of collections out there he may have bought a whole bunch of stuff and just figured well it's all good and no it wasn't but I mean, I confronted him about it and I said, dude, I've got people tell me every single one of these are fake. This is ridiculous. You tell me what's going on here. And fortunately, he cha- He uh, tra- he traded out for other stuff that I knew was good in his collection. I had my friend check those before I got them. I know where he got them signed. I have friends who witnessed them getting signed. So um, yeah, it's you have to be careful all the time, unfortunately. I mean, even if it's whether it's a $3,000 card or whether it's a $3 card. I mean, there's just... Any, you never know, unless you can prove every single bit of the step along the way. You don't know for certain unless I mean, you've got a really, really good eye looking at it all the time. And not many of us, unfortunately, have those uh, have that knowledge have even friends that have that knowledge. So it's there's a lot of buyer beware out there. Unfortunately, all you can do is educate yourself and make connections as best you can. And just try your best to all I can really say. Yeah, I know. I'm I mean, sure. you and
1: I are both, I mean, I have thousands of cards that I've gotten TTM and thousands of pictures, and I'm sure you are the same way. And there's no way of knowing if the athletes signed it, you know, you hope that a majority of them are, cause you know, it's not hundred percent, but you, you know, that a certain percentage of them, their wife might've done it or one of their kids, or it might be a secretarial thing or, you know, you just don't know. So, um, I always you know I've, I, I honestly I've never sold anything that I get through TTM or any of my cards really and I always want to in my letter I state that it's for my personal collection which it truly is you'll never see me list something that I've gotten on uh, TTM you know through TTM on sale uh, you know on uh, on a site anywhere I have traded some of my stuff some of my doubles and uh, I feel confident that, about that and if someone asks me where I got it I'd say you know, I, I sent it to the athlete and I, I think it's real. And I, I you know, I'm, I, I can't say for 100%, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my kids and my wife up on it, but I hope it is. <laughs> yeah. Right? And
2: I mean, I do the same. That's if you look on my website, for example, any of the sets that I'm collecting, I try to list on there, how I acquired it, you know, who I bought it from, if I bought it, who I, tra- who I acquired it from, if I traded for it, um, whether it was TTM in person, anything like that. And it's just, that's all you can really do is, you know, just trace it as best you can and keep track of those those sorts of things. If you're ever planning on moving anything.
1: Right. And I know, you know what, we're not bad-mouthing the hobby, obviously, because we love the hobby and we love collecting. And we love autographs. And I, you know, if you ask me, I would say, you know, 95% to 98% of the people out there are honest and true. And, uh, you know, we're doing it in good faith and they're doing this, they're collecting and they're, they love it. And if you're making a living off of selling autographs that, more more power to you this i that that's the american way right you know if you if you're an entrepreneur and you want to make money off of selling autographs and you're upfront about it i have no problem about that but it, it's when you you're uh screw uh, uh unscrupulous is yeah. that the word Un, yeah. unscrupulous yeah. And, and you're cheating on all not only the collector but the athlete as well um that you know that can't be that can't be stood for and that's not called for. And I, I think, you know, all the, a lot of the um, leaders in, in the hobby, and I, ho- I hope you and I are, are in some instance a leader in the hobby because we do talk about it and we're on, we have a, a, a way of, of talking about what's going on in the hobby. And uh, we just hope that, that people are honest about what they're doing. I think that, you know what? Drew, I know you. That's one of the, one of the reasons why you and I get along so well is that that you're always up front and, and you're upfront about what you're doing, and, and that's what we. I, I always uh, try to live by is being upfront about and being honest about what we're doing, and um, I think that's that's part of the fun, and that's how you make friends and you make re- uh, relationships. So. Um, you know, again, I guess the the, the key take on the slogan "Paul, fake Pokemon case" is, is "Buy or beware." And if you have the wherewithal to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars on these the, this unopened stuff, you know, get it, get it checked, get it checked again, and find out the provenance behind it. And uh, you know, buyer beware, right, Drew? Buy or beware. Yeah.
2: you can never be too certain on anything. Second guess everything, and. Ultimately, go through God.
1: Well, speaking of everywhere, this is kind of a cool thing. Um, Golden Auctions have released their sales figures for 2021, and they had 330 million dollars in sales uh, for 2021, which is a really uh, cool number you know i mean i bet if you ask golden auctions 10 years ago if they were going to hit 300 million dollars in sales they'd be like well what do you sm- what have you been smoking because the hobby is still solid as can be there is all sorts of value out there um they're you know they're another great auction company i, I do I'm not, I'm not a big auction buyer but i do love the whole auction um You know, part of our hobby, and I love watching what people have to auction off and what they're auctioning off. Usually, it's well out of my price range. But uh, you know, just speaking well out of our price range in golden auctions, they auctioned off a 2003, 2004 Upper Deck Exquisite LeBron James rookie auto patch, and they realized a price of 1.4, 1.5 million dollars. That's for a PSA. 8.5 with a PSA 10 autograph for a card that is uh, not even 20 years old. And of course it's LeBron James. So guys, check your shoe boxes, check, check all your stuff. If you, you might, you might have a million dollar card just sitting in your stuff. You know, I know um, I I was going through some of my stuff and I found, I found three, three cards that are worth well over two to $3,000 each that I didn't even realize I had. So there are, there are, um, what are the diamonds in the rough, so to speak. And if you have as many cards as I do, and I'm sure Drew, you have, you're the same way you have cards on top of cards, on top of cards and, um, you know, $1.5 million for, for 2003, 2004, uh, upper deck, exquisite card, you know, LeBron James, rookie patch, uh, with the auto, it was graded at point 8.5. So it wasn't even a 10. $1.58 million guys. Check, check, check your shoe boxes. Right. Right, Drew. No kidding.
2: I mean, yeah, like you said, I, I have done that as well. Actually uh, two years ago when I bought my guitar amp, it was paid for by finding three cards that I found in my stuff here just while sorting that eventually, I mean, I was able to basically swap for a very nice guitar amp. So yeah, sit down, take a look through and, you know, I know uh, the values in like Beckett, for example, may not be the best reflection of what they're actually going to sell for. But it gives you a guide, so you know. Sit down, have a copy of it next to you there, and you know, look up stuff every now and then if it's a big name or a rookie card of somebody. Just you never know what you might have there.
1: Yeah, and guys it doesn't happen to necessarily be the the tops and the and the paninis or upper decks. The, there's all sorts of kind of local and regional brands that are out there, and all sorts of different uh, secondary cards that have value because they weren't mass produced. Uh, you know, even all the way into the back into the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So uh, check what you have, uh, and you might you might have uh, enough to, to buy a, a down payment for a car, or you don't know. So or help pay your kids' tuition. You know, and sometimes it doesn't uh, do do the best to be just sitting in a in a box in a closet someplace. So check it out. One uh, one thing coming up that I love is uh, with the stupid baseball lockout. We have the Baseball Hall of Fame is going to be announcing their uh, 2022 um, not, uh, nominees, or uh, what are they, induction, people that get induction. inducted, get inducted to Hall of Fame. So they've released some of the early ballots and some, uh, one name that I think will definitely get in is David Ortiz. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Would you agree, Drew?
2: He's in. I I have my my objections to it, but yeah, I think he's almost guaranteed that he'll be in.
1: Well, you know what? I know you were in Boston while he was doing some of his stuff and and uh he was a he was a great player. Um he was a clutch player. He did everything in, in the World Series. You know, he wasn't a all, you know, he was a DH. He was he certainly didn't play in the field, but he was certain he certainly if he isn't the best DH ever, he's second. He's second behind Edgar, Edgar Martinez. And Edgar Martinez is in, so I think I have no problem with David Ortiz coming in and he, I met him actually once, but he was very nice, very nice to the fans uh, signing up autographs for me. So I'm a, I'm a big David Ortiz fan. The the last three that were kind of on, look like they might get in it or, or, or just might not get in. is two guys that this is the last year they're on the ballot, Roger Clemens and, and uh, Barry Bonds. And um, both those guys obviously had problems with, with steroids and um, problems with the press and had pro- just their 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 own personal problems right they were they were both great players that kind of turned to uh, illegal substances let's say uh, I think bond I don't know if they either of them tested positive do you know if the either of them tested positive while they were playing Drew?
2: neither did but there is so much evidence out there to their use that I have to I mean when you compare number one changes in body size, when they changed changes in stats and how, and when they changed and just the era of when it happened. Yeah. There's no positive test, but there is so much evidence toward their use that I have to, I have to bring that into question. Now I will say pre-steroid allegations, Barry Bonds, I believe was a hall of famer, at least well on his way to a hall of fame career. This is a guy that, you know, had 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases. I think before, likely before he ever even touched any of that stuff yeah roger clemens was probably close to or even may have been over three thousand strikeouts by that point before he was dabbling in those areas but i i i'm not totally opposed to those two being in just because of that but the fact that still that they were that especially in bonds's case that he did it to just try you know go from just being a really really great to being the greatest i have real problems with that so if, if I had a vote, I would not vote for either one, but I'm also not like super opposed to them being in either as much as I would be for some of the other guys out there.
1: Yeah, and personally, I met Roger Clemens once and he was very cordial to me. And uh, actually, I sent him a picture of him and I and he signed it for me for no charge, which is, you know, I know he tra- I think he charges what six a or hundred dollars or something. Now through the mail. I know Bonds is not uh, um, a signer. I don't think he, he's he been for a while, right? I think when he first came up, he would sign every once in a while, TCM, but I don't, I don't, I think he's signed in years and I know um, his personality, he's clashed with fans as well as the press. I kind of agree with you on, on both of them uh, because they extended their careers and they achieved such uh, earth shattering numbers as a result of the juice. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of guys out there and probably guys that are in the Hall of Fame that have done that as well. So I'm not and then I'm sure there's guys that have used amphetamines and other um, illegal drugs, quote unquote, while they were playing, whether it helped them playing or helped them get back on the field. I don't know. And it's it's kind of hard to be, um, you know, the social the social um butterfly of the world and let it, you know, be, be the social police and monitor what everyone else is doing. And I, I, I kind of, uh, in my, and it's, as, as I get older, I get my, I get softer on all this stuff. And I guess I would vote for Clemens and Bonds. The last one is, 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 Kurt Schilling and Kurt, I think was right on the cusp last year. And I think he's kind of right on the cusp this year. I, I it amazes me that, um, guys, perspective by the voters change from year to year in that they hadn't done anything on the field, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, but people determine in one instance, they're a Hall of Famer and then the next year they're not or vice versa. Uh, you know, Kurt Schilling was a, a great pitcher with the Phillies. He was a great pitcher with the Diamondbacks. He was a great pitcher with the Red Sox. Um, you know, he was a fantastic postseason guy. Uh, again i met him at a show and he didn't his personality didn't do much for me um so I, you know I, again he, these guys all have their 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 uh, problems personality wise and you know politically i think shilling got hurt right he was he became became uh, he was he's very conservative and i think he was a trump trump guy and i don't know it, it doesn't it's just weird that they the outlook from the, the voters changes from year to year. Don't you don't, think that's a little strange? It is a little bit, but I mean, it's kind of be expected. But I mean, I'm actually looking
2: at his numbers right now for uh, the Hall of Fame votes. It's funny, his first year on the ballot, he got 38.8%. The next year, he dropped nearly 10% after that, then rose up another 10%. Then, oh, from so he's up, it went 38 to 29 to 39, up to 52, back down to 45, up to 51, up to 60, up to 70, up to 71.1. And I think honestly his comments after his most recent one are really going to hurt him because he said basically, you know, screw you guys, put me in or don't. I don't and then just at that point he was like, Don't vote for me then. I don't want to be in it. No, no, no. It's like, fine, screw you. I won't vote for you then. So I'd be interested to see if he touches that 70% mark this time around at all or not. Because it seems like there's a lot of people out there. There are a lot of voters who will say, you know, oh, it's his last ballot. Yeah, let's go ahead and put him in, which I think sucks, frankly. I think if you don't if you wouldn't vote to put him in on his first ballot, why are you voting to put him in on his last one? But I agree. Yeah. you know, have?
1: I know they had, they released, they had early numbers released. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I was basing the, this list off. And I don't have it in front of me. But I think Schilling was right there at whatever, 70 something percent of the, of the, I think they had 38 percent of the ballots released or some, some number like that. Do you, right. do you have those in front of you, Drew? I
2: don't, unfortunately. I know that there's a, a guy out there who tracks all that stuff. He has a spreadsheet that he puts out uh, publicly, but I have not seen that for this year yet, so I don't know. But if I remember right, it seems like a lot of times the guy's going to be fairly high on the list, and then they'll drop off a little bit. So that doesn't sound like it's good news for Shilling, but who knows? I mean, it can, it can vary a bit.
1: Well, just from a collecting standpoint, do you try to look at the guys that are going to make the Hall of Fame or may make the Hall of Fame and try to acquire any of their cards or the rookie cards if you don't have them? Or do you try to send out TTMs before they get into the Hall of Fame? Or is that something you really don't concentrate on?
2: I haven't really concentrated on it much. It seems to me a lot of guys, if they're signing before they get in for a reasonable price, they're probably going to still sign after they get in for a reasonable price. You look at a guy like uh, Ryan Sandberg, for example, is still very accessible at $10 a card. Wade Boggs, wow. Jim Palmer, um, Harold Baines actually got to be a better signer after he got in somehow. Right. So yeah, I don't really concentrate on that too much, but once in a while, if it's guy is tough to get and charging a higher amount before they get in, you might want to jump on that bandwagon. So like, uh, I mean, you look at a guy like Bruce Suter, for example, I think, if I remember right, he was accessible for about like 10, 15 bucks before he got in. Now he's up to 40. Yep. Lee Smith at one point was down to $8 or so. And now he's up to like 20 or something like that. He's so, 20. Yeah, Lee Smith's 20. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's worth looking into stuff like that. But I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's probably good if a guy is signing, you know, jump on the bandwagon. But that goes for anybody at any point, whether in the Hall of Fame, whether they're not, whether they're going to be in the Hall of Fame, whether or not. It's just, I, to me, that's just a good practice. It's, uh, if, it's, if he's signing, if he's affordable, just go for it. Might as well.
1: Well, one of one of the uh, the guys that announced his retirement the other day, um, we're going to talk about to see if he's really Hall home, of home, home Fame worthy is John Lester. John Lester, of course, pitched for the Boston Red Sox, came up with the Boston Red Sox. I think he was a second round pick. He went on and played with the Oakland A's. He got traded during a pennant drive one year and the, he played a little couple months for the Oakland A's. Then he signed as a free agent with the Chicago Cubs. And he finished off his career, I believe, with the Washington Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. I think was his last team. So I uh, just he had a cup of coffee with those guys. He decided to retire. Um, John Lester, just hit some some career stat points, and, and Drew, let me know if you think he's Hall of Fame worthy. So he had mm-hmm. 200 wins, even a 3.66 ERA, which is pretty good in, in nowadays. A guy, guys under four, that's still that's a pretty good ERA. He had uh, 2,388 strikeouts, so he didn't make the 3,000 Ks, but 2,388 strikeouts. He was only 9-7 and in post-seasons games. He won three World Series, and uh, he was a five-time All-Star. Would you say that's a Hall of Fame resume, Drew? I tend to not really look
2: at at, um, All-Star kind of stuff, because especially when it comes to pitchers, because the pitchers are all named by the manager. And he had the benefit of, you know, having the uh, Red Sox manager there to name him to a couple of All Star games there when uh, when uh, Tito was uh, managing them. Yeah. Overall, it's just ah, God, trying to figure out pitchers currently for the Hall of Fame is so tough because the numbers, the the benchmark numbers have changed so much. It used to be three hundred wins was the number that you had to get to to get in, or three thousand strikeouts, something like that. And the game has changed so much now where a guy doesn't. I mean you're lucky if you see a 20-game winner any time nowadays. You go back you know, into the 60s, and you might have a 30-game winner every now and then, but you'd have several 20-game winners every year. Um, overall, just looking at the, uh, some of the Hall of Fame metrics that are out there, Jaws is one of my favorite things to look at. It's the uh, Jaffe win system, basically, where you can measure your uh, Jaffe win shares or something like that. Uh, but what he does, he looks at your career Wins above replacement, your seven-year peak wins above replacements, and has this whole formula for figuring it out. And based on all that, John Lester is the 149th greatest starting pitcher of all time. And that to me is not Hall of Fame numbers. Hall of Fame monitor puts him just below Hall of Fame level. The gray ink, black ink, Hall of Fame standards all put him significantly below. So Hall of very good, I would say, but not a Hall of Famer quite. I mean, no Cy Young award either. He finished second one year, he finished fourth in two other years, but. Personally, I could not vote him in. I mean, great career and everything. Great. uh, I mean, he's on some really great teams there, but yeah, I just, I wouldn't be able to vote him in, I don't think.
1: Yeah. You know what the, the, some of the local pundits here in Boston are kind of touting him as a hall of fame guy. Um, I always do it by gut check. And and what I mean is that when guys that I saw, because, you know, I, I would say anyone from say 1975 on. I have a pretty good handle on them playing in the major leagues. You know what I mean? I, I saw them, I saw them at their peaks. I saw John Lester at his peak um, and even and as a Red Sox. So I saw almost probably saw every one of his skate starts as a Red Sox or almost every one of his starts. And I probably saw a lot of his starts as a Cub as well. But anyway, what, I, what I'm guessing getting at is that when John Lester was going to pitch, did I make it a point like, Oh, that's a win for us. Or, oh, no, I'm going against John Lester and we're in trouble. And, I, you know, just looking at the couple guys that we mentioned, Roger Clemens, you didn't want to miss one of his starts because something special could happen. He was, as an opponent, I hated going against him. Same with Kurt Schilling. Same with even Jim Cott. Jim Cott's a little older, but I remember Jim Cott, you know, in the 70s, when you know, 74, 75, 76, when he was with the White Sox he was a he was one of those guys that like he's gonna kick our ass today mm-hmm. um you know and John Lester just never I never had that feeling with John Lester John Lester was a again he was a good pitcher but you know if you had told me Adam Aaron Sealy was pitching tonight I had the same feeling of Aaron Sealy as I did with John Lester you know like okay good pitcher but he's not throwing a no hitter he's not gonna try to strike out 18 uh, guys. And, you know, he was, he was the st- tough starter. I'm not saying he wasn't a, a good player, but I kind of agree. I don't, I don't see him getting in, but, you know, again, he was, he had a good career. Um, You know, he was uh, a cancer survivor and he was a battler and uh, you know, we, uh, I'm glad that we got to see him pitch, but I don't think he's a hall of famer. So I, I just wanted to, you know, with, I love when guys come up like that, and it's always the, one of the best parts about baseball is you can debate uh, if a player um, belongs in the Hall of Fame and uh, the value of their career, their, their career against the greats. So uh, congratulations, John, on a fabulous uh, MLB career, and I'm sorry, you're not going to get Drew and eyes open, <laughs> right, Drew?
2: <laughs> right, yeah, don't think I can.
1: Well, in, in terms of uh, uh, Hall of Famers, this guy was definitely a Hall of Famer. I remember him at his, the end of his career when his um, you know, his, his knees were gone, but he was always a great hitter. And I'm uh, talking about Orlando Cepeda, who obviously was a superstar with the San Francisco Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals, and he finished his career with the Red Sox as a designated hitter. Um, he's signing TTM again, which is great to see. Um, he's charging $20, which is very reasonable, $20 for a Hall of Famer. It is awesome. Uh, Orlando is, is well up in, in the years. Uh, you know, I think he started his rookie year was 1958. So uh, I don't have his age right in front of me. But uh, if you know, I've noticed his signature is a little shaky, but you know, he's an older gentleman now, but it's still worth it. So, um, you know, if you, if you need Orlando Zepeda, uh for uh, your collection, he is signing TTM for $20 and, and give it a try. I saw he a couple of returns, this week online and i thought that that was kind of cool do you have this land of drew
2: i do i have him for a seventy-two set that i picked up in a trade a while back but yeah um i just looked he is currently 84 years old so yeah, yeah he's the fact he's still signing is amazing there but uh i mean it's a guy who not only was a hall of famer he was also the rookie of the year winner when he was uh, in 1958 there at the age of 20 he also won the mvp there in 1967 with uh with the Cardinals. I think it was the year they also won the world. Yeah. That was the year they beat the Red Sox. Unfortunately, yep. there for a few guys, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy that uh, he was named by the veterans committee to the hall of fame, but he probably would have gotten in, if not for some, uh, you know, post-career issues and everything, but yeah, I mean, it was one of the greats. So, I mean, 20 bucks is a very fair price for him.
1: Yeah. And he's one of those guys kind of like Tony Oliva. Um, he, you know, his knees gave out him at the out on him at the end of the year. And the, the DH extended his career for a couple of years but I think if he didn't hurt his knees near the end of his, his career, he probably would have gotten four or five more years and, and really extended those numbers. But, um, I understand he's a gentleman too. I didn't get, he was here in Wilmington signing and I didn't get a chance to meet him, but, um, I understand he's a very nice guy. So, uh, you know, you want to check out Orlando's Paid it for $20 for TTM. I think that's a good deal. One other, other note in terms of, um, hobby news, uh, the card life, which is a, um, hobby related show it focuses on collecting is it's hosted by uh major league pitcher matt, matt strom he's a uh, left-handed reliever he played for the kansas city royals and the san diego padres recently um he uh, they just released their latest episode uh this month and they're going to focus there they do what they do is they go to a different locale and they do a feature on a bunch of card shows and things hobby related uh, things that are going on and this month they're doing nebraska so it's on the Valley sports network. You can check the card for the schedule uh, to check it out. And also you can go check it out on YouTube, the card life, uh, after the 30 days after the show, the show airs, uh, they post, they, they post them on YouTube. So if you don't live in uh, the local, uh, one of the Valley sports network, local area, you can check out the old shows on um, YouTube and they're really, they're really cool shows. And, uh, Brandon Versal, who's the producer, does a great job, and Matt Strom is the the host of the show. And I I just think that the quality of the show is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. It's the card life. Joe, have you watched it at all?
2: I have. I've caught a couple episodes here and there when I've uh, they sometimes
1: put them on right after
2: a game on Bally Sports there, and I really like it.
1: Yeah, it, it's really it's done really well. And uh, what they do is they do a great job not only for the novice collector, but for advanced collectors like you and I. So there, you know, there is one or two little blurs that like, oh, I knew that. But I always this always seems to be one or two things during the show that I learn about that I didn't know. So uh, it, it's really it's a, it's a very entertaining show for people that are kind of novice hobbyists and advanced hobbyists as well. So check it out. It's the card life. Uh, go to thecardlife.com uh, or thecardlife on YouTube. You can check it out. And I just want to congratulate those guys. They are releasing their Nebraska show um, this month. Uh, just a couple of show news. Uh, we, we talked about this last week, but I'll just remind everyone the Mint Collective, which was scheduled to have been held at the end of the, this month in January at the MGM brand in Las Vegas has been postponed because of COVID. They rescheduled it for March 25th to the 28th. Go check it out. themincollective.com. if you are uh, playing on kind of a, It's going to be a cool new industry uh, show. It's not necessarily a card show. It's an industry show and you can learn all about NFT and investing and all sorts of other cool uh, hobby related stuff. So check it out mintcollective.com uh drew is headed off to the ellis show this weekend he is in dallas uh, and he's going to go tomorrow which will be the day the show's running on the 16th and drew will report back to us and let us know how the show went we also have uh, the big apple show which is going to be in new york city at the new yorker hotel on the 29th we have um going to be the signing autographs There's a couple of wrestlers bob ackland Jimmy hard and. uh You know, if you're in the New York area, you want to check it out. It's at the New York City at the New Yorker Hotel on the 29th. One news of note uh, regarding the National Super VIP uh, tickets. They're only selling a thousand of these, the VIP and Super VIP tickets, and they are 75% sold out. So if you're planning on going to the National and you don't want to get shut out, it's the the National Super Olympic City at the end of July uh, this summer, so it's a great place to go. Go to the beach, go to the casinos. Your 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 loved ones can go. Your wife can go, and your kids can go, and you can go spend time in a, in a uh, convention center with a bunch of geeks like me and me and Drew and <laughs> looking at baseball cards. We will be there, uh, but it, it's seventy five percent sold out. So the only, I recommend it. Really, the the best way to see the show is with the super VIP ticket. Don't you don't you agree, Drew? Definitely agree.
2: Uh, my friend Aaron and I both got our super VIP passes booked this week. We went for the all access upgrade on one of them too. So we can uh, jump to this, have one of us jump to the start of the uh, line there for autographs each day. So, uh, but yeah, highly recommend. Like I said, there's only a thousand of the super VIP passes out there. VIP passes, I think are uh, the act, the regular VIP, I believe is unlimited, but you don't get as much stuff with it. So I highly recommend super VIP. It's just such a great deal. You get so many, uh, so many bonuses with it. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, definitely go out and do so now.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you 18 autographs, plus you get invited to the uh, event that's on Wednesday night. That's uh, a, a great super VIP event. You also get into the show, I believe, an hour early. Right, Drew, do you get in early?
2: Yeah, it's either half an hour or an hour. It's definitely some sort of an early entrance, though. So you get yeah, a, the a little fewer crowds.
1: They give you gift bags and all sorts of stuff. It's, it, it's well worth the money. It's 200 and something dollars. For a super VIP ticket, um, I, I would get it. And again, it's there they're 75% sold out. This was as of uh, the beginning of this week, so they're probably even clo- closer to 100%. But if you need, if you're going to the show in, in Atlantic City in um, July, get your super VIP ticket now because they are going to be gone very soon. One other on note, and, and I'm sorry, we've got a really long uh, Chris does as I said this. So much going on in the hobby. Um, Harvey's uh, what's Harvey's last name? Uh, Uh,
2: Harvey Harvey Meiselman, Harvey Meiselman,
1: Harvey Meiselman, which is the sports address uh, list.com. He's been putting out these lists for forever, right? (laughs) It's a great resource for TTM. You can buy, uh, buy sport. You can buy baseball, football, basketball, there's Olympic ones. And there's all sorts of other lists that you can buy hockey Uh, And it's an address that gives you up to guys that are signing, how much they charge. Um, And Harvey stands behind the list. Like I I know I bought the list a couple of years ago. And uh, if you send it, you send out to a guy and it comes back because the the address is no longer any good. You tell Harvey, and he goes to find the most, the the most current address. Or if there's a guy that's not on the list and you want to, you want to, you want to get his address for one other reason, Send, send Harvey. You send Harvey an email, and he comes back to you within a couple, a couple of hours with the guy's name and address. So he's, he's a great resource. I'm not sure how he does it, but he's, he's a good resource. And you know, if you're into really into TTM and you want to have, you know, it's not something you have need to buy every year, but if you buy it every couple of years, just to refresh and update your list, it's really good and you know collecting the 78 set i that's where i started i started with harvey's list I, i'm sure you have Drew, as well yeah
2: back when i first got back into ttming in 2007 i uh my grandmother asked me what i wanted for christmas i said just the uh, baseball football basketball and hockey lists here for um, this guy and yeah i got those and so i actually bought one this year for a friend of mine who is uh she does a lot of ttm she's only done baseball so far but she said hey i want to get into, like you know astronauts and maybe some you know politicians stuff like that so uh Harvey actually makes a men and women of distinction address list and I got that. So I'll be uh, getting that to her. So uh, like I said, it was a Christmas present. So it's a few weeks late, but I warned her ahead of time and said, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit there, but uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing what she's able to get back off of that there. And I might uh, try a few of them off that list myself as well. Well, how much was the
1: list like 40 bucks
2: uh, for the men and women of distinction list? It's only 20, even yeah, better. Man. So it's right. Uh, I
1: think the baseballs like 40 bucks. It used to be like, 40 bucks and
2: yeah somewhere around there it's yeah, it's, it's well it. considering what you get on it, it is definitely an affordable price
1: yeah. so check out its sports uh sports address list right sports dot com yes. um, yeah. check it out and harvey is shipping the the new 2022 list now drew just got his the other day so just want to make people aware of that and we are a big fan of harvey's work and uh, i know harvey is, is a great guy to to deal With a uh, customer service level, so um, I can afford to address the list. Um, so that's going to wrap up. because dozen uh, I'm going to. I want to talk about new releases uh, as well uh, before we get on to our uh, making the grade. But we had a couple new releases that that came out this past week. Uh, the 2021 tops Chrome Update, uh, which are baseball cards. They, they come ten cards per pack. Uh, Four, I'm sorry, 10 packs, four cards per pack. So there's uh, 10 packs in a box, four cards per pack. Uh, they're available on tar- uh, online at Target. They're $100 cards. There are 100 cards in a set and boxes go for $49.99. I ordered mine online at Target.com. I recommend you guys get the Target red card, which gives you access to a lot of the uh, sports cards that aren't available directly from the target website it's target.com but you can get the 2001 tops from update baseball 10 packs four cards per pack they are 49 dollars uh, 49.99 a box uh, i ordered a box coming in when i get the box i'll give my review on it but um, i do like the tops chrome and these are the update cards and there's only 100 cards in the set so i'm looking forward to getting that box the uh, panini uh, mosaic football 2021 Panini mosaic football hobby boxes, which have two autographs, five civil, silver parallel, 50 mosaic parallel, and 20 inserts. They're going for between $700 and $750 a box. I remember the days when you could get a, a mosaic box for 20 or $30, but the, yep. those days are few and far between now, but Tom, Panini does a great job um, with the football with Mosaic, and it's a great line. So the 2021 Panini Mosaic football are out, hobby boxes. You can get them between 770, dollars dollars per box. And then lastly, this was uh, got released the other day, Pops 2021, which is the last uh, baseball release for the year. of uh, It's the UK edition. So these are hobby boxes. So There's 24 packs per box, 10 cards per pack. The cards have the UK flag on them, and it says UK on the back. There's 220 cards in the set. So you're really going to get a lot of superstars in the set when you open these packs. You're going to get a a lot of superstars and rookies. There's four parallels in the box and four of the 78 design. They go for about $149 on eBay. Um, It's an interesting release. There's a few different pictures. On the regular release but most of them are the same pictures as the regular tops release but it's a different release it's a different release for you guys and if you're into tops and you're into baseball it's the uk edition again hobby boxes and they go for about 149 dollars on ebay and drew i think that wraps up officially wraps up uh, baker's dozen and new releases and that could have been our longest baker's dozen of the year all or- right Or at least uh, in the last six months, don't you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, we hit, arriving
0: close to an hour
1: on that. Wow. I know. So we want to thank you guys for hanging around. We're going to get right into Making the Grade. Coming up next is Making the Grade.
0: Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit DSGGrading.com to learn more.
1: Taking the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. And our friends at CSG, which is Certified Sports Guarantee, they are a show sponsor of ours, but uh, we we like to report news on on them as well and what's going on in the grading community. And uh, this is a very interesting figure I saw from CSG, uh, they, in addition to cards, they, which they've been grading cards now for a year, they also grade comic books and coins and money. And uh, they, they graded over 9 million items in 2021, which is an impressive number. And they graded over 600,000 cards in the first year. So congratulations to CSG for having a great year. Um, we're going to talk to the president of CSG next week, Max Spiegel. Uh, We're going to talk to him uh, about what they did in their first year and what they've got coming up. So they're they're a fantastic company. But I just want to congratulate CSG on hitting their one year anniversary and uh, grading over 600,000 cards in your first year. is pretty impressive, don't you think, Drew? That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, for a new company there to be
2: able to make a splash on the scene, especially, I mean, in something like grading, that's really kind of dominated by three companies to be able to come out there and suddenly have a 9 million number for items and 600,000 cards. That's huge. That is really great. And I mean, the more companies we can get out there that are grading stuff reputably, the better off the hobby is going to be. So I'm definitely happy to
1: see that. I agree. And one of the nice things about CSG is they never had a shutdown in right. 2021. So they, they were um, still meeting, meeting uh, their, the demand of, of, I should say, meeting their commitment to be grading cards and you know, that they're um, turnaround time is extended because they've had so many so many cards get submitted to them, but um, you know they they're catching up on the backlog and they're they've been doing a great job and they put out a, a great product in terms of the, their casing, the cases and the labels, and um, they're very progressive of what they're doing. So if you haven't checked it out, it's CSG uh, grading uh, CSGcards.com. Uh, check them out. and Congratulations on re- reaching one million one year uh, in grading cards, and they graded over 600,000 cards in 2021. Uh, The other company I wanna let people know about is our friends at DSG Grading. It's diamond service grading, dsggrading.com. They've been a a sponsor of ours uh, for about a year now, a little more than a year now. And uh, they do a a great job as well. They're meeting that 30 day uh, turnaround time. They are offering a five dollar coupon. It's exclusive to TTM Cast listeners. They have a code, uh, the coupon code is four H M U G T C G. You just put that code in when you submit your cards to get graded, and that you can use that card, that coupon code for one card or for a uh, hundred thousand cards. They don't care how many cards you use the coupon code. Their standard uh, submissions are thirty dollars, so you'll get them for. Twenty-five dollars. Couple things about uh, DSG. They have a QR code on the label, so you get details of why your card got received the grade. And they have these cool era labels that you can choose from. So check it out. It's Diamond Service Grading, DSGgrading.com. And as Drew said, it's great when um, other companies, other than, than the the three three million pound gorilla of PSA, is out there uh, for us as collectors to choose from. Give Diamond Service Grading a, a shot. It's gsggrading.com. That wraps up uh, making the grade for the week. Next up, we're going to announce our contest winners. We have a couple more contest winners The the TTM cast T-shirts have been a big hit. The uh, guys that are, these are not for sale. These are the only way you can get these T-shirts are if you corner me at a card show and say, "Hey, give me a give me a T-shirt," or I'm gonna kick your butt. Or if you registered a win in one of our contests. So we drew, threatened to kick my butt, so I had to send him one. But. Uh, our, our listeners have been raving about them. Uh, gave, we gave away four t shirts last week. This week I'm giving away two. We have two uh, listeners. We want to congratulate them for winning. Thank you for entering. Uh, the winners for this week's t shirts, Cast t shirts, they're gray, athletic gray, and it says got cards right on the front with the TTMCast logo on the back. It can brag to all your friends that you're on the cutting edge listening to the, the best sports podcast in the world um well again congratulations to our entries. entries is uh kenny hodgkins you won and uh julian ho you won a t-shirt so two more t-shirts going out the door um we're gonna have we'll, i have a couple more t-shirts to give away and then um we'll come up with some cool uh, more cool stuff to give away so if you want to enter to win a t-shirt drew how do you enter to win a t-shirt that
2: would be sending your uh, name address your uh, size all to ttm cast at yahoo.com
1: oh yeah i'm gonna can i can i quiz you on this one you ready i'm gonna quiz you okay oh, you can send it to our text line and our text line what's our text line drew
2: that would be 978-729-0662
1: you got it you you win <laughs> you, get, you get to come back next week guys send me your name your mailing address, and your size. You can email us at ttmcast.yahoo.com or text me at 978-729-0662. And I think I'll give away uh, another t-shirt next week. Penny and Julian, thank you for entering. We'll drop those into mail to you uh, this week. So thanks for entering. Next up is our TTMcast stamp of approval.
0: I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval.
1: Well, TTM Cast Stamp Approval is kind of, one of my favorite segment because we get to talk about things we love. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about collecting, it can be about movies or uh, commercials or products we love. But the thing that I love the best is when Drew does food. So maybe we'll get lucky enough to get a, a Drew Pelto TTM Cast Stamp Approval food. Uh, uh, item this week but i'll do mine first because we'll 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 wait for the best for for last my TTM test take approval is the 2020 2021 panini nba chronicle cards Uh, i just got my wife picked up six uh hanger boxes i guess they are there's 30 cards per box and uh i just love these cards there's all they're all sorts of guys from last year's draft class uh, uh ball and peyton pritchard and all these guys uh, Wiseman, and i don't know There's just all sorts of cool cool rookies on this as well as um dion and lebron and just just all the greats of the nba are in these cards and uh panini does a great job they have the chronicle cards in there but they also have uh, cards from the other sets as well and i know drew you've worked on the This
2: test previously, right? I have. I've done some work on uh, mostly on the college ones, so college basketball and college football. But it's, I mean, it's a similar idea across every single sport there, pretty much. I actually just bought a uh, one of the uh, fat packs of their baseball Chronicles uh, product just the other day as well. But yeah, it's always fun to go through there. I mean, you've got what twenty five cards from like how many different you know mini products in there? Basically, I mean, just look at the baseball one for example: rookies and stars, revolution, elite titanium um timeless treasures legacy there's so much stuff in there all kind of crammed into one product so if you're the type that isn't really like a set collector but likes a wide variety of different things to look at in a pack that is the product for you and i always i've always liked the uh, chronicles stuff
1: yeah i mean i'm looking at it right now there's prestige there's luminary there's chronicle cards there's um dawn rust cards in here there's nba th- Threads cards. There's just all sorts of different cards in here. Um, I don't know. This just—it's just—I it's just, I really think it's a great selection. The designs fabulous. The cards are, are fabulous. Uh, you know, if you're looking to get, uh, you know, the—I the, don't know—the Lamelo bon, Ball uh, one of one autograph card, you're not going to find that on in this. This is more for the fan the guy that just loves these cards loves and the nba loves cards i would think the chronicle cards i would think would be great cards to get signed they're nice and clean white cards if you're looking for a kind of cool cards to get signed um the the, the, the chronicle brand is really cool so i'm going to give my stamp of approval to the nba uh, 2020 2021 nba panini chronicle cards they're Pretty available, I think, at Target and in Walmart. Uh, I believe my wife found them online. That they, they, they are available. I, I got a a mega box for Christmas, so they, there's all they, they are available. Um, and you know, everything doesn't have to be about finding that one-on-one autograph card, right, Drew? So I think some, sometimes people understand. I always tell people, collect what you love, and they'll be they'll will be value to it one way or another, right? It's either valuable to you for your heart because you love it, or it might be valuable to somebody else, or if you're looking to to sell it. But if you if you're looking for that one on one one on one autograph card, it's not this this set is not for you. But if you just love cards and you you want to get cards of your favorite team, you know, I got also I got Jason Tatum cards. I got Pete Pritchard cards. I got um uh, jalen uh, brown cards i got a lot of uh, i got kemba walker i got you know you get a lot of stuff. Celt- i got a lot of salter cards in this and then I, I got like three or four lebron james i got zion cards uh, ja ja moran cards so check it out 2020 2021 nba chronicle i give that my uh, thumbs up ttmcast stamp approval for the week drew what's yours well you're hoping for food you've got food
2: So I got to ask, Jeff, have you ever had a torta before?
1: I don't think so. I've had a lot of everything.
2: (laughs) This Okay, so the torta is this huge Mexican sandwich. They're really popular in Mexico City especially, and you can find a lot of them here around the Dallas area. And so my stamp approval for this week goes to this one restaurant I haven't been to in a while, but I'm actually going to be going there tomorrow after I get done over at the card show. El Rincon del DF is the name of the place. It's over in the North Dallas area but uh, they have, they used to have 31 different types of tortas on their menu. They've scaled it back to 17, it looks like now, but they are absolutely amazing. They started out, I mean, this is like the American dream story right here. This family moved from Mexico city to the Dallas area in, I think it was 2005. And a couple of months later opened up their restaurant inside of a gas station. And eventually it got so big on the tortas and just regular convenience store stuff. They weren't even a gas station anymore. They took the Emptied the pumps out, stopped selling gas, and turned just into a torta restaurant. They since have sold that building and moved into a bigger one there, but they have just built this up over what, about 15, 20 years or so into one of the best torta restaurants I have ever eaten at here in the area. But uh, just to give you an idea, they've got the Cubano torta as uh, one of the big ones on the menu. That's the biggest sandwich they make. But uh, imagine a sandwich stuffed with everything you can possibly imagine that you could ever find at a, at a, like a, any kind of like a torta taco whatever shop, but uh,
1: is it on bread or is it on Peter? or is it in a taco show?
2: Yeah, it's on this big like loaf of bread. It's like a uh, I think it's like a really big bolillo roll or something like that. But um, they had a, a review of the restaurant in the Dallas Observer, one of our uh, local weekly papers, and they listed off everything that's in the Cubana torta, and that has a uh, breaded milanese cutlet, which is like a thin pounded steak that's been breaded and fried. Slices of deli ham, chorizo, sliced up hot dogs, chunks of smoked pork, smoked I think chicken on it as well. A couple of fried eggs, two different kinds of cheeses, avocado, tomato, onion, and slice of jalapeno. It comes out to about the size of my of a computer keyboard, basically. When all is said and done, and it is absolutely amazing. I haven't had one a couple a couple well a couple years now from this place because I used to go to it all the time because it was right next to where my uh, one of my past bands practiced. But uh, ever since I got out of that band and they moved their location, I haven't been out to it yet. But finally going to get to have one again on Sunday afternoon. I'm looking so forward to that. And so El Rincon del DF in uh, Dallas is my TTM cast stamp approval for this week.
1: Well, Drew, you know what? I'm going to have to make a trip out maybe in August, right? And we will do the Torta, uh, Rangers game, Dallas card show, I do know. And, and then that there's one other place that you mentioned the, that uh, one other food place that you mentioned. So I'm going to I have to make a, a nice uh, full food, food pilgrimage because I you got me when you put said hot dog in the sandwich. Oh, Anytime yeah. You put a hot dog in a sandwich. I that, that that's a, a, a win for me. And you know what? We didn't mention this in Baker and Susan, and we'll talk about it next week. But our, my friend Drew here planned out his 6,500 mile trip to the national going to about 8 million baseball, baseball games. And uh, we'll talk about that next week. So
0: <laughs>
1: after you come back from the national, I think I might have to make a little little side trip out in, in August before the season ends. So uh, congratulations on that. Thanks for sharing that. The, the tour sounds like, it's earth-shattering, and I really want to have one. So that wraps up Baker's dozen stamp approval for the week. Next up is our burn wrap minute. <laughs> the Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap who passed away uh, prior to me sending out a TTM request and we like to run down a list of people who passed away in the world of celebrity in the world of sports that you uh, may send out a a TTM request and so you're not embarrassed like I was uh, by sending out a TTM request to someone who passed away so in the world of celebrity we lost um two legends, right? We lost Ronnie Spector, who was the lead singer of the Ronettes back in the 60s, and uh, she was 78 years old. Um, You know, she was an iconic uh, singer, a pop singer, and she had a, you know, she was all, she was very popular during during her day, and um, we're sorry for her loss. The other one was kind of hit home to me, and I'm sure you drew, uh, media Bob Saget passed away. Bob, of course, was on uh, full House. He played the, the father, and he was also on America's Funniest Home Videos. He was the host of that, and he's been a stand-up comedian forever. And um, obviously, just from the, his passing, he was very beloved in the in the stand-up world. He had so many people that raved about him as a person and how funny he was and, and uh, I know I was watching a, an old special of his last night that they were running on HBO and he was very funny and he was very endearing as the dad on uh, Full House. I don't know if you watched Full House when you were a kid. Um, I watched I, I watched it more when my kids were, were kids than when I was young. It was kind of a little old, old when it first came out but um, you know it was a cute show so uh, you know Bob Saget and I know Bob was a, a pretty good TTMer. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, I remember mostly
2: from America's Funniest Home Videos as the original host there, but, um, I would also, for anybody who's never heard his stand-up, you'd be absolutely shocked when you consider, you know, he's on these, you know, mostly these two families, or big star on these two family shows and everything, and then you hear his stand-up, it's like, my God, that's the same guy, but he was on an episode of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast about 10 years ago, promoting, uh, when he came out with his book, Dirty Daddy, about, uh, Kind of, you know, the juxtaposition of those two kind of areas of his uh, of his fame. But my God, it is it is one of the most hilarious interviews that uh, Gilbert ever did on that podcast. If you're offended by four letter words, don't listen. Even if you're not offended by it, proceed with caution. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is that is just a huge loss right there. Just so unexpected, too. I mean, it was they haven't announced the cause or anything. It sounds like it was just a heart attack in his sleep or something like that, the way it's uh, from what they've said about how they found him and everything. So just, yeah, such a huge loss to the comedy world.
1: I agree. And you mentioned one of the most underrated comedians, Gilbert Garfield Gilbert is a riot. He is so funny when he gets out of being in um, scripted shows, you know, he's Mm -hmm. one of those guys that he wasn't made to be scripted. He was just, if you watch him getting interviewed or, or just being, uh, free to say whatever he wants and doing his, his uh, stand-up stuff. He is so goddamn funny. I re- oh, yeah. <laughs> He's good. And, yeah, Bob Staggart will, will be missed. Uh, and In the world of football, we lost a Hall of Famer Don Maynard. Don Maynard uh, was drafted by the New York Giants. I think he played like one or two games for the Giants in 1959, but he really starred with the New York Jets from 1960 to 1972. He was a member of that – championship team he was a hall of fame wide receiver uh, he got elected to the hall of fame in 1987 he finished his career with the st louis cardinals in 1973 and he was a great ttm or i don't what, what was he like ten dollars right true he, he was yeah actually expensive.
2: just yeah i actually just got him about uh, two weeks ago or so two three weeks but uh yeah ten dollar signer and definitely one of the most affordable guys for out there for uh, being as big of a name as he was
1: yeah, and he, he was 86 years old. And in the world of baseball, we lost a, a couple guys. One guy, this guy's kind of predated cards. He is, His name was Eddie Sinski, and he was the second oldest living player and one of the few remaining uh, former Brooklyn Dodgers. He was 99 years old. He played for the Dodgers as an infielder from 1944 1945. He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates in '46. And, um, you know, during the 40s, obviously, they weren't – really making cards because of the the war. So, um, you know, there was few or far between getting uh, uh, stuff for Eddie to sign in terms of cards. But uh, I did see there was a few things that he did sign. Uh, And, again, he was the second oldest living player, and he passed away. He was 99 years old. And then we lost uh, John Dillard. John was a uh, outfield. We played for the Cleveland Indians. And the Milwaukee Braves from 1959 to 1965. He was featured on the 1959 Topps card, number 123. 1960 Topps card, which is 122. He was featured in 1961 Topps card, which is 172. And he was featured in 1963 card as a member of the Braves for card number 298. Dodd was Don was a, a signer. He signed in TTM um, his his uh, 1959 it was uh his rookie card and it had the the rookie shield that from 1959 and then the 1960 was the sporting news rookie card so that was kind of a cool card as well so uh don was kind of a reserve outfielder um he never really he never became a, a full-time regular he was kind of that fourth outfielder guy uh, and he was 85 do you, do you remember i know it was a little before your time as a Cleveland Indian but do you do you have any recollections of Don as a collector? I
2: don't actually he's one that somehow I never came across uh because I love going to card shows and just digging through like vintage 50 cent 25 cent boxes and I found a lot of guys sent to that way somehow never came across the card of Don Dillard in that time at all so yeah I missed out on him unfortunately.
1: Yeah I didn't really I didn't know him as well you know sometimes especially the guys in the 50s and early 60s which is obviously before my time uh, unless they played for the red sox or i i came across them i didn't. i didn't i didn't have a recollection of of don but when i saw his cards the his 59 card and his 60 cards are really cool so i might just go pick them up because they were cool they're those you know the rookie cards from those years and you know they're only worth a dollar or two they're not you know they're they're low number cards so they were they're not uh, which I like. You know, you, those are the cards, like you said, you can find them, you know, a little off-condition off for 50 cents or a quarter. And uh, I, I might pick one, one or two of them up. You know, I know you can't get his, his autograph anymore because he passed. That kind of cool cards. So uh, unfortunately, we lost John Dillard. He was 85 years old. And, uh, you know, I just that, our condolences go out to friends and family uh, who passed and our condolences go out uh, to, to the guys that are no longer with us. So that wraps up um, Vern Rat Minute for the week. Next up is our returns.
0: This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion.
1: Drew, I'm going to rename this segment. It's not going to be the returns. It's going to be the no returns because I didn't get any returns this week. I've been really busy uh, buying stuff on eBay, so I've been getting a lot of cool eBay stuff. I've been making some good deals on eBay, but in terms of getting uh, signed cards, not good. I, uh, it's my fault. I haven't sent anything out in about a, a month now, and my, my printer broke the other day when I started Went out to, to do them. So I've got a stack of stuff ready to go, out, but no letters or labels. So um, <laughs> I'm going to get my my printer fixed so I can get get some return on uh, t requests. So I know you had a couple of returns for the week.
2: I did. Yeah. And I also just got a, a new shipment of uh, stamps in, Bought some more envelopes. So I'm all set to go here for a couple of weeks and uh, for sending stuff out. And also, before by the way, before I get into my uh, TTM returns, we were mentioning Don Dillard a minute ago. All four of his cards you can find on sport lots for under a dollar each. So uh, just like you were saying there, if you want to go and pick them up just to have them, there you go. They're all available uh, very easily right there. So
1: well, is it, it, that's the thing I love about cards, right? So you mm-hmm. have if you want to get a current card, some of these cards run you know two three four five dollars but if you want to get a card from 1959 or 1960 you can still get them for under a buck I, you can it, yeah it, it's awesome yeah
2: just, just got to know where to look and you know just keep an eye out and not be afraid to dig through stuff every now and then yeah so ttm returns yeah i had two that came in this week both for my 2021 tops heritage miners set A couple of Cubs prospects, I believe, on both of them as well. Uh, Jordan Nuogu being one of them. He lives up in Michigan during the offseason. He's actually, uh, I believe, went to the University of Michigan and still lives kind of around the uh, Ann Arbor, Detroit area there. Got him back, took about two months or so on that return. And also another Cubs prospect in Alfonso Rivas. He lives down in Southern California. Got him back after about a six-week wait as well. So that now puts me up to 10 out of the uh, 222 cards in that set signed, So putting a little bit of a dent in there. I mean, it's only been out for, you know, what, two, three months at this point now, but kind of gradually starting to make my way through it. And hopefully that road trip that we mentioned earlier is going to be able to knock out a few more of those for me.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask you, my friend, you've got this huge road trip and we'll talk about it a lot in the next couple coming weeks, but basically Drew is going uh, 6,500 miles from Dallas all the way. To the east coast of the national, and in between, and it's going to how many how many games are you going to?
2: Uh, we have somewhere between, depending on what we ultimately decide to hit up, it's going to be at least sixteen games, and maybe as many as twenty-one. Okay, so
1: you're going to twenty, say twenty games, right? Yeah. Are you going to lo- are you just going to load up prior? You know, in uh, June and July, you're just going to load up on all these these guys because you'll know the teams you're going do and then you're just going to load up on as many cards as you can and then do you bring like baseballs or photo, fo- like generic photos for guys that you don't have cards for the logistics of it is just mind-boggling to me yeah i'm definitely gonna be loading up on
2: cards i mean when uh because uh, my friend aaron who's been on the show before he and i are the ones who are doing this trip and we did it in 2018 as well It was a little bit smaller for that one. we only we did only 13 games across uh, a couple weeks in that one but We're expanding out an extra week this time. But yeah, I mean, I just went on sport lots and had all the teams' rosters, found cards of each player that I possibly could. Uh, Whenever we got to the ballpark, we'd usually buy a team set if they had them in the uh, team store there. And yeah, just go from there. And I mean, I might do some photos on a few guys, nothing really crazy at all. uh, Usually, what I try to do is I'll try to do like a four by six photo of anybody that's in a team's top 30 prospects. So I'll look on that, look at their uh, MILB.com list of their top 30 make a card of those guys or a photo of those guys, print those off. But I didn't do that on that last trip, but I started doing that a lot now in Frisco. So I'm probably going to do that again during this season and just, uh, yeah, go for it and hope for the best is all, uh, all I can really do. But I carry all of my set needs with me just in case, because it kind of sucks because once in a while you might get a guy who's in a high A gets moved up to double A or something. And well, here I sit, he's up here. I know he's got cards and I don't have any of them, but I don't really want to go and buy every single high A guy who might get a call up either. So you miss out on a few guys, but all you can really do is just, you know, prepare the best you possibly can.
1: I'm going to go to the Worcester and in, in the Manchester game with you. Cause I, I want to see you in action. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to videotape it and put it up on YouTube to, for everyone to enjoy watching a pro in action. Cause I just want to watch you, you and you, you and Aaron in action uh, getting all these cards and I'll, I'll, I'll just be sitting there and awe. well you know that, i could just talk and talk and talk and talk because uh, we just love this so much that wraps up the returns to the week and next up is our uh interview uh, our interview of the week
0: this week's interview is brought to you by the trove sports den come and hang out and chat with baseball pros from past and present online visit the trove and join in the fun today
1: Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jim Cott. Jim Cott, of course, played 25 years in the major leagues, which that into itself is something. He started his career as a 20-year-old with the Washington Centers. That's the original Washington Centers that moved up to Minnesota. He played for the Twins up until the mid-70s. Then he uh, signed with the Chicago White Sox. He then went on and played with the Philadelphia Phillies, he played, finished his career. Uh, he played with the Yankees. He also finished his career with the St. Louis Cardinals, winning a, a World Championship with them as well. And we talk all about his illustrious career. We also talk about him dealing with TTM and requests, and dealing with autograph requests, and talk about. Uh, him collecting and his thoughts on getting in the hall and his thoughts on his teammate, Tony Oliva, getting in the hall. And it's really a great interview, and he was very forthcoming. So please enjoy my interview with Jim Cutt. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG.
0: See how your cards stack up in the CSG Registry, the premier online arena for sports card collecting. It's a free platform where you can show off your CSG certified sports cards and compete against other collectors. More than 1,000 unique users have put together over 600 set types so far. Are you ready to play? Visit csgcards.com to start adding your CSG certified cards now.
1: Joining the show is newly elected Hall of Fame pitcher Mr. Jim Cotton. Jim played 25 years in the major leagues with the Washington Centers, that's the original Washington Centers, the Minnesota Twins, the Chicago White Sox, the New York Yankees, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the St. Louis Cardinals, and had an illustrious career and recently was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Congratulations and welcome to the program, Mr. Cot.
3: Thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, it's it's a life changer. It's quite a humbling honor, and uh, as you can imagine, it's been a – Pretty exciting time since that call back on December five.
1: Well, how did how did you find out? How did they they gave you a call, and, and were you surprised to receive the call?
3: Well, the way the, the the protocol is, they they tell you early in the week that you are on the ballot, which I knew, and then they uh, explain the voting process and when it will take place, and when they count the ballots, and then they give you about a a half hour window. I've been through this a few times before. They used to have an hour window and they don't call with bad news. So if you don't get a call within that time frame, then you know uh, uh, you haven't been uh, elected. And uh, so about halfway through that time frame, I got a call uh, that said, this is James Clark. And as soon as you hear those four words, you know what it's all about because uh, James Forbes Clark is the president of the national hall of fame or family has been heavily involved in the town of Cooperstown for years. So, uh, that's kind of how you find out. And, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a life changer.
1: Was your family around when you got the call and we, was there a lot of screaming in the host household that day?
3: No, you know, my, my family is spread out. Margie was there with me and my wife, but, uh, I know some guys in the past, especially the younger, uh, You know, the fellows that get in with the writers that are still, say, in their 40s or 50s, they have a lot of family around, and they're ready to celebrate because they they sort of anticipate that it's going to happen. Well, you know, I've been through it, as I said, I think three previous times, so um, I don't don't plan for any excitement. I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I did
1: get the call. Did was there a sense of relief? Did you kind of like exhale, um, you know, after falling short so you know, over the last few years? Was it was it, it was it more of uh, it's you know, it's finally happened, or uh, you know, did you have a little excitement yourself? You know, obviously, you do, but but in my
3: case, my expectations based on what's happened the past uh, three, I think since 2004, I've been on the veterans committee ballot for a while they voted every three years then they went to every five and then with the pandemic they missed uh a year actually it was the seventh year the last time I was uh voted on was 2014 so my expectations were not that high uh I guess I take kind of a cynical view of it because of of what's happened so uh to be excited yes I was I was excited surprised and uh more than anything, grateful because I realize how how slim the margin is between getting in and not getting in. I've missed by one vote for four before. My good friend Dick Allen missed by one vote again, and he has to wait five years. Of course, Dick passed away last year. But yep. what made it uh, difficult for the voters this year is that there were five of us that were getting a lot of attention. Uh, you know, Gil Hodges, Manny Manoso. Uh, Tony myself and then Dick and uh, and it just came down to I was fortunate you know I had a lot of fellas on the committee that uh, I played with played against a lot of uh, executives that saw me play in person and media people and that's why I thought this was by far the fairest hearing I was going to get of all the uh, years I've been eligible so I I really thought this was my best chance may have been my last chance.
1: Do you see it as a validation of your playing career? I mean, you had so much, many accomplishments on the field. Um, do you see the validation of your playing career?
3: That, you know, that's a good word. I'm glad you said that because, yes, I think that's that's what's, what makes being uh, elected by the Veterans Committee or the Golden Days Committee is that, uh, you know, for all the metrics gurus and the, you know, the uh, analytics – scientists that try to write books and say things about who belongs and who doesn't, even though they've never played, never really have seen a lot of us play. To have a committee of guys like that uh, elect you, that validates it. And then to follow up uh, getting calls from Hall of Famers, like I just recently got one from Tony La Russa, got one from Sandy Koufax and Jim Tomey and calls that are saying, hey, you, you deserve this, you belong there. And yes, from coming from those kind of people, that validates my uh, playing career.
1: I mean, you haven't—you have played in 40 years, so there's not really anything you could have done to change, um, you know, the, on the field. You—you—you accomplished so much. Do you think today's analytical thinking uh, changed the way the voters look at your career uh, ultimately?
3: I don't know if it's the article. I just read, and I'm not a big believer in war because I know how deceptive it can be. We don't have enough time to go into that, but war (laughs) can be very, uh, very deceptive about uh, the number. But I I did have the highest war of the group that's in there. But, no, I think uh, some people on that committee that began to compare my career with a couple of pitchers that are already in the Hall of Fame and that kind of opens
1: some eyes as to, well, maybe if they're in, he should be in too. Does this give you a sense of immortality that, you know, you're going to live on forever? I mean, obviously you've done so much in uh, baseball and, you know, people will know you just because of, you know, your cards and your and your everything you've done in baseball. But now, does this, do you think this gives you a sense of uh, immortality being enshrined in the hall?
3: It doesn't give me that sense at all. But it only it only gives me a uh, you know it, it's a humbling honor, and the higher honor you get, the more humbling it is because you realize how how many people had to help you to get there, and how fine the line is to get there, and so it, it is mind boggling when I hear people say, "Well, you know, there's twenty, I think close to twenty three thousand players." that have played at least one game in the major leagues, and there's like less than 1% uh, will get voted into the Hall of Fame. That's pretty mind-boggling. I would never in my wildest imagination even think about comparing my career to Sandy Koufax or Juan Marichal or Bob Gibson. You know, there's different levels in the Hall of Fame. And I was fortunate, I think, that I had uh, people that looked at a complete body of work, uh, you know, the durability, uh, probably if my career ended in 1975, uh, it would have looked like I was a more dominant pitcher, because those were the years from 62 to 75 were my most productive years uh, Then I, I had an arm injury in 67 I pitched in sort of a compromised state for a while but uh, Uh, You know, I did it over a a period of time and uh, was able to contribute to some clubs that won divisions, and fortunately in my last year won a World Series. Uh, So I'm grateful for that. I feel, uh, I think you hit on the good word, I feel validated. I don't uh, feel any sense of baseball immortality. (laughs) I just uh, feel very fortunate that I was able to play a game that I always wanted to do, wanted to play and uh you know to be in cooperstown is a very uh special thing to have to be honored with
1: have you started thinking about your induction speech yet
3: oh from the day from the day after i got the call <laughs> 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 you know because uh, cuz immediately you know you think of the people that have helped you and uh, fortunately i have a, a long time to do it so uh, oh yeah i've uh, i've gone over a lot of thoughts you know to uh, make sure i make sure I don't miss anybody thank the right people and yet I've been to several of those inductions you uh one of Sandy Koufax's last words after he was so complimentary he said now hey one more thing make your speech short <laughs> <laughs> i've I've been to a lot of those and uh, I remember scooters I mean scooter went on must have been for 40 minutes and it was a hot humid afternoon so I understand the attention factor there. So there's a there's a blend of thanking everybody and saying everything you want to say, and yet keep it. Uh, you know, I think there's an old proverb that says, "Wise people use
1: use few words." That's great. Is there um uh, any someone that mentioned you as a young player or, or any of the the veterans? Well, you know, when you were a young, Kim, I mean, you came up so so young with the Sanders Well, you're 19, right? so yeah
3: i I came up when yeah i came up when i was 20. Uh, you know i think when i came up in those days uh, they pretty well pretty much left you on your own you know there was that sense of well he's going to take one of our jobs Uh, there wasn't the security of long-term contracts and so uh, you kind of learned on your own the the guys that helped me were like Jack McKeon, who was my minor league manager. He was sure. uh, a big influence on me. And then following uh, my boyhood idol, Bobby Shantz, who a lot of people have not heard of. Bobby Shantz, he's five six, won the MVP in 1952. I could I could tell you all his stats. He's unbelievable and uh, the best fielding pitcher in baseball. So that's sort of who I patterned my motion after. And uh, so obviously he was an influence to me.
1: Are there any younger players, you know, later in your career that you you kind of took under your wing?
3: I think John Stuper uh, with the with the Cardinals, Dave LaPointe, they always, uh, I think, give me a lot of credit for, you know, for being like a big brother to them.
1: And uh, you John know, your team? Was, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, John uh, Stuper pitched one of the great uh, World Series games, Game Six. Of the 1982 World Series, which enabled us to go to Game Seven, and he's been the coach at Yale now for 27 years. But uh, yeah, he he's very kind. He always gives me uh, a lot of credit for uh, things that he learned from me, and and I later coached him when I was coaching for Pete Rose in Cincinnati, and then Dave LaPoint, who was a left hand, uh, young left hand pitcher, we had also. So those were those were two guys I enjoyed. Uh, you know, today you don't you don't really find guys that go back to those into the mechanics, the video, the spin rate. And, you know, I learned a lot of of how I pitch from coaches like Eddie Lopat, Johnny Sane, and then
0: sitting around
3: with Robert Roberts, getting a pitching lesson from Warren Spahn, uh, Whitey Ford. But that, those are the guys I went to to, they did what they did, and, and that was
1: very helpful to me. Well, there's some good lefties you, you mentioned there. I'm a lefty myself, so I I, I have a soft spot for lefties. <laughs> you, you mentioned a few good ones there. Right. Um, your teammate, Tony Leva, uh, will be inducted along with you. Does that make it a little more special for you? Yeah, I think it not
3: only makes it special for me, it's very special for the Minnesota organization. You know, I didn't realize this. It was uh, brought up in the Minneapolis paper. Our 1970 team, even though we couldn't get past the Baltimore Orioles, uh, we had five Hall of Famers on that team. I don't know too many teams. I know the big red machine had four. But we had, uh, you know, Harmon Kilbrew and Bert Blylevin and Rod Carew and now Tony and myself. Uh, so this is, a, this is a big deal for the twins organization because both Tony and I I went on to play for different teams not as a free agent because the twins literally thought that my pitching days were over in nineteen seventy three. Uh, but Tony's been a lifelong twin and we both we were both signed by in my case Washington which became the Kids and then Tony by the twins. So we're homegrown products which uh, you know makes the twins organization very proud.
1: I know Tony was a, a professional hitter. I remember him, you know, when, when, as, when I was a youngster. Um, but by the time I was starting to fall baseball, Tony's knees were kind of starting to give out, and he became a DH. You know, think think of the numbers he would have put up if he didn't hurt his knees, huh? Yes, he had that. Uh, a disease as a as a child,
3: you know, a bone disease, rickets, I believe they called it. So he always had knee problems. The only ball he ever. I think I only saw him dive for one ball. He, he just couldn't do that. And yet he, uh, he turned himself into a bold glove outfielder. And one of the reasons he's such a great hitter is, you know, they'll always say, well, everybody can hit a fastball, um, but they can't hit a curve. Well, growing up in Cuba, when they wadded up paper and put a little tape around it, we pitched the ball with a ball over the place. So Tony was a very skilled breaking ball hitter. And uh, that's what made him the – great hitter that he was. You know, he could hit fastball, but he could also hit uh, the breaking ball. not just any breaking ball, but he could hit good pitchers. Um, if you ask the catchers of that day, Bill Freehand, Dwayne Joseph, and Andy Etcheverry, yes, Killebrew was a home run hitter in the Hall of Famer, so was Rod Carew. But Tony was the hitter they feared when there was men on base in the clutch situation because he could really hit good pitching
1: yeah, he, he was a great hitter, and obviously Rod Carew was as well. Uh, one of the one of the, the benefits you get as a Hall of Famer is now that you can put HOF on your uh, the end of your your signature when you sign autographs. Is that something special for you?
3: Well, it's special enough that the first dozen I sign, um, I set those aside. Those are going to go to my grandkids and family members. But yeah, it's amazing the. Uh, the magnitude of the attention factor uh, when all of a sudden you're you're signing your name with HOF 22 behind it, and uh, the cachet uh, of that inscription is uh, it's unbelievable.
1: Well, you were a, a very big uh, promoter of signing autographs through the mail in terms of uh, you know answering fan mail and earning money for your local uh, little leagues. Um, but your sense changed over the years. You know, what uh, transpired that, that made you change?
3: Well, I uh, I started a fund when my late wife, Mary Ann, passed away in 2008. And they have a little league park named for me in my hometown, the Jimcott ballpark. So I uh, began to get a few pieces in the mail. And then I, I think word got around that uh, I didn't really uh, charge any set fee, but whoever who would you know would sign and make a donation, the money would go to uh, the olive zealand Community Foundation, designated to the Marianne Cotton Memorial Fund, and that in turn to buy equipment and uniforms and things like that for the youth baseball and softball in Zealand, Michigan. However, now all of a sudden I find out that people are openly boasting about giving me five dollars for an autograph and selling it on ebay or who knows what so i kind of put a stop to that and now of course tops is coming out with so many uh kind of new series they've got the platinum series i think i just signed recently three thousand cards for them so uh i've kind of been very careful i i i wouldn't sign through the mail anymore unless i actually knew personally there have some people that have written me nice letters, and uh, they understand. And I've got a couple of people in Minnesota I know well, so when I get a letter from them, I know it's legitimate. They donate to the charity. But uh, unfortunately, like a lot of things in life, people can spoil it for everyone. And it, it kind of disappointed me that they were exploiting, uh, getting my card for signed for like $5 and turning around and selling it on eBay.
1: We've kind uh, of- dealers.
3: I know dealers do that. I know dealers, especially with the Hall of Fame, they're going to pay you quite handsomely to sign items uh, with the HOF inscription, and then they're going to turn around and, and sell it on their website and for whatever money they get for it. Uh, that's fine. That's up to them. Uh, but I know ahead of time that they're, um, you know, they're not cheating me on it.
1: Right, and you, I know you saw once you got elected to the Hall, Hall of Fame, and the announcement came out, you saw people uh, adding the HOF at twenty-two that you didn't add. Yeah, that there's another
3: thing that you don't no matter what business you get in, you got these people that want to scam the business. I just, uh, I read, uh, I think my wife was reading not a website but something where there was a a picture. I think it was a ball that had like 283 wins, uh, 16 gold clubs, and then the only HOF 22 signature out there. Well, I never signed. You don't add your Hall of Fame inscription to an existing autograph. That's like taboo. You don't do that. Yeah. But there are people, and they're probably going to get by with it, that'll put that on themselves because it's not done in your regular handwriting. It's done your, your printing, is basically. And um, and so the the authenticators, I don't know if they can really tell what's legitimate. So uh, so there
1: you have, the, you know, you've got the scammers that are doing that. i know, it it, it looks bad for the the hobby. Uh, now you've begun signing ttm requests again, which is really fabulous. I know it's you're uh, it's twenty five dollars a card, which is very affordable. Would um, would you like to give out the address if people are interested in getting your autograph again?
3: Well, you know that address is uh, it's Mike McGuire's address in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So all of it goes there. Um, I wish I had Mike's address on my fingertips right now, but all the mail yeah. goes there and it's processed there. And, uh,
1: and then you know I sign the I have. It. I'll read it out. It's it's uh, Mike McGuire at Jim. it said attention Jim Cart request P.O. Box six blue diamond nevada 89004 and jim we're going to put the address on our website so that people want to get uh write to you and get your uh autograph it's 25 dollars per card you're only signing cards right now correct yes
3: yeah just cards and uh again there's some there's always some naysayers you know that talk about the price going up but uh, you know that's one of the things about uh being a Hall of Famer, and also it just means uh, more money for the kids in Michigan for the ballpark and for, uh, for their equipment, so uh, they're benefactors as well.
1: Do you envision signing pictures and balls and uniforms again through the mail, or is that something you're just gonna do when you do in-person signings?
3: Yeah, I don't think through the mail. I think I have some, some dealers that I've known for quite a while that I would do uh, private signings. Uh, and maybe they have websites, so uh yeah, I have one uh, uh one particular uh dealer that I've dealt with quite a bit in the past and uh I think it's okay to mention his name probably the uh, his name is Tom Moore and uh, I've done a lot of business with Tom, so people kinda handle uh, things other than uh, just a uh, trade modes.
1: Do you have a favorite pops card
3: that you really like? Oh, I like the one I just signed, uh, I think I signed, my, I think I signed of them. because I used to tell Cy Berger, man who goes ahead of top's trading cards, I said, Cy, I don't want a picture of you swinging in the back. So I, I think it might be the 72 card, I'm not sure. But yeah, I think it's
1: 73, it's 73. It's so,
3: seventy-three. Yeah, 72 was the last year before the D8, so. Yeah, that's my favorite. I
1: love
3: to see a card with
1: pictures of in the back. Do you, um, I know you won 16 gold gloves during your career. Do you know where they are? The awards? They're scattered around. I have
3: a few. I, I had a lot of them launching off years ago well for uh, my teammate, Bob Allison, who uh, passed away in a tax at age 60. At age 60, I think. And, uh, I put a lot of them up for the Bob Allison tax research center in minneapolis so i assume there's some in various restaurants or whatever and i've given one to each team that i've won and given but i have uh i have like my first my last the hall of
1: fame one, a few more did the hall of
3: fame
1: did the hall of fame request any special memorabilia from you for your uh your display
3: uh not yet not yet. I don't think we're along that far yet. I know the Cardinals are going to uh, honor their 1982 team. And for the display of the 1982 team, they want us to send an item that we used or wore in 1982. And I had this old beat up cap that I'm 40 <laughs> years old now. So I'll probably give them that. My, probably my three most valuable pieces and i have to think about uh, what to do with those is the glove that i used for 15 years and the ball that has the teeth marks in it that uh, hit me in the mouth on july 24 1962 that's kind of a day that minnesota fans bring up a lot because they remember that uh, that happening at the ballpark and then the other i have in a big shadow box is stretched out is my original 1961 Twins home pinstripe jersey, zipper front. Nice. Those are probably the. Uh, those are probably the three, uh, especially the Minnesota people would probably
1: be uh, the most attractive ones. Do you have any other uniforms? I love the old White Sox uniforms from from the the mid '70s. Do you have any of those?
3: I think I have one. Uh, it's not a game used. I, yeah, my favorites were the red and white pinstripes. Yes. I like those a lot in the, the mid-70s. Um, and I had my World Series
1: uniform from 82. Were you Were you a collector as a kid? Did you collect cards or, or, or uh, autographs oh, or yeah. anything? As a, young,
3: as a young boy, I probably had some 53 Battle Bowmans
1: and my bicycle. had <laughs> no idea what they were. That's, that's uh, funny. The only
3: yeah. really uh, collector piece I have is
0: uh, a lefty.
3: that I bought in uh, uh, in Chicago at a show. It's I got the signature authenticated.
1: Did you Did you get uh, collect autographs from any of your teammates or, or um, opponents during your playing days?
3: I have a I have a pretty good collection of autographed baseballs that are personalized to me from. You know, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra. I've got uh, Sandy on there. A lot of Hall of Famers, and, and just a lot of my good, you know, teammates that were really close friends. So I have probably four or five dozen, uh, you know, personally uh, inscribed uh, baseballs that I have.
1: Well, that's that's very cool. I, I'm I am jealous. I'm green with envy. Well, Jim, Jim. Congratulations on finally getting into the hall of fame it really brought a, a smile to my face when i heard that you got in because you've, you've been such a, a friend of the show um jim played for 25 years in the major leagues he started with the original washington Senators. they moved to minnesota jim moved along with them then he went on to the white Sox and yankees and phillies and cards have you did you ever tally up how many hall of famers you played with that were teammates of yours
3: uh i'm sure i can find it out pretty quickly uh because there was probably, I don't know, it's, I guess it would be, a dozen to fifteen. Yeah, you I was know, trying to I do it. I mean,
1: yeah, it's Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt, um, Tony, yeah, Rod Carew. Yeah, uh, the four
3: with the yeah, the four with the twins, and then uh, Schmidtie and Lefty. And then when I went to uh, when I went to uh, the Yankees, I had Catfish and Reggie. Uh, and then when I went to the Cardinals, uh, I had, uh, Ozzie yeah, and Bruce Souter. Bruce Souter. So, and, uh, yeah, so I guess it's, you know, maybe a dozen.
1: Is there one trait that you would say that the, that, that these guys had as Hall of Famers that, you know what I mean? You, 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 know, you've seen so many players as a, as a former player and a broadcaster. Is there one One trader that kind of runs through each each person that that makes them a Hall of Famer?
3: Yeah, I think unlike pitchers where, you know, you have several pitchers on the staff, but usually, you know, the Hall of Famers I played with, they were the best at what they did. Like in Harmon's case, home run hitter. Rod Carew, batting average. Tony, combination. Uh, Schmitty was a great all-around hitter, home run hitter, and fielder. And then Lefty, of course, dominant pitcher. So all of them are right at the, you know, that's what kind of makes my Hall of Fame career different is that mine was done over a period of time. I had my years that popped out like, uh, you know, 66, 74, 75. Uh, But uh, yeah, those those things, when you saw those guys, they were just uh,
1: the best at their position. Who hit the ball harder, Harmon Killebrew or Mike Schmidt?
3: Uh, you know, they were different in that Killer hit these high, majestic, long flies, and Schmidt's trajectory was a little bit more like a line drive almost. Uh, so the trajectories were different. Uh, as far as how hard, I you know. I, I would have to say they're both probably about the same. Harmon had the most effortless, balanced swing of anybody i played with. I never saw him lose his balance. Uh, Michael was more quick hands, uh, karate chop to the ball, level swing. He wasn't trying to launch it like guys do today. And then he you you had Rodney, who if you, if you tracked exit velocity, why he wouldn't be in the top 100. You know, yeah, he, he doesn't care sick. about exit velocity. He's just going to serve it out to left, serve it to center, serve it to right. And Tony was a combination of power and average. He hit uh, line drive type power. Um, and, of course, Ozzie, uh, his strength was his, was his fielding. But see, what gets deceptive with some of these statistics, what Ozzy did for us in 1982, two out, nobody on, and he's the hitter he would get a base hit and that meant that the pitcher hit and then the pitcher makes an out. Well, now you start the lineup over with the top of your batting order with Lonnie Smith and Tommy heard Willie McGee. So even though he maybe only get uh, one hit every, you know, every game or two once in a while, when he got those two out hits to get the pitcher out of the way, those were big hits. And those are the things that don't show up in a player's batting average
1: sure jim you know i want to thank you i could i could talk to you all day about baseball i really appreciate your time today uh guys uh jim is now signing TTM requests through the mail it's 25 dollars per card you can send it to mike mcguire attention jim cart request p.o box six blue diamond nevada it's 89004 we'll put the address on on the website you can check it out on the website jim is there anything else you'd like to talk to uh talk about before i let you go
3: no, it's fine, Jeff. I've enjoyed it and appreciate all of your, uh, you know, your willingness to talk about the, the autograph side of things. I know there's, uh, <clears throat> there's scammers out there and sometimes, you know, we get uh, a bad reputation that we won't, <laughs> we won't sign. And, uh, but uh, I just, you know, there's a lot of legitimate collectors out there and, and they love collecting it. And I've seen some unbelievable pieces at some of these shows that I never even knew existed and the people i've met there i'll give you one quick story so i'm in chantilly and uh i see a guy i'm I'm out in the public i signed in the back room for a little while now i'm out in the public and there's a fella at the back of the line he's got a beard about halfway down his chest he's walking with a cane he's got an old blue uh sweat stained washington senator's hat on with a red w so i looked at mike i said look there's an old senator's fan he gets up to the front of the line. He pulls out a picture. He said, I was your third baseman in Superior, Nebraska. Wow. <laughs> so those are the kinds of people you run into at show. It's pretty cool.
1: Did you remember him?
3: I remember when he mentioned his name and showed me the picture in the team picture. Sure, Don Goddard. He's from uh, the Washington, D.C.
1: area. That that That's very neat. And I, I know you love to. Meet the fans. I know you were actually here in Wilmington, Massachusetts, for the at the Shriners Auditorium back in November, and I was traveling, so I couldn't make, make it out there to see you. But hopefully, I'll, I'll see you in Cooperstown this summer. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm going to try to come up for induction Deduction Weekend. So, again, congratulations, Good. and I really appreciate your time.
3: All right, my pleasure. Take care, Jim. Thank, thank you, you too.
1: Thanks, Jim. Welcome. Well, that wraps up another edition of TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk cards, TTM, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. And guys, we're not doing picks anymore. We're done doing picks. If you notice that, we, we stopped doing picks last week and we're not doing we're not gonna do picks anymore we might do we might do a, a super bowl pick but we we are not doing our picks anymore and drew is celebrating and i think the i think the whole country is celebrating well, yeah. my name is my name is jeff baker i've been your host of the program and i've been joined by my co-host my friend mr ttm himself mr drew palto and drew i am out of breath we are you know you can put in for overtime for this show <laughs> Um, you know, our listeners that have hung on in there, I think we're going to be definitely over two hours for this show. So, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we were like just like cage animals that will let loose.
2: Yeah. That, uh, I mean, having to limit everything, whenever we do the radio show, just, uh, it kind of just builds everything up. It's like, I've got so much more I want to put in here. And then we get the chance to, it's like, Oh, perfect. Here we go. But, uh, I want to mention something with, uh, you had the interview with Jim Cott there earlier. Did you know, and I, I if you mentioned this in the interview there, I've, I hope I'm not doubling it up, but did you know that he is the only player in Major League Baseball history to have pitched to a player who played in the 1930s and also to a player who played in the 2000s? No, so who did he pitch to from the 30s? Do you know? Uh, that was uh, Ted Williams. One of the first uh, games he played, he faced the Red Sox and pitched to Ted Williams, who of course you know, made his debut in I think it was 1939. And then in 1982... He faced a young Philadelphia Phillies infielder named Julio Franco, who finally hung up the cleats in 2007.
1: So, I don't, he's the only I don't one to think face Julio Franco's hung up the cleats. I think he's still playing in someone's backyard game. He
2: is. Yeah. I mean, he was coaching in South Korea recently and played a little bit, I think, maybe even over there. I know he played a game with uh, in 2014, I want to say, here uh, with the Fort Worth Cats in one of the independent leagues. I remember leagues.
1: seeing recently, like, last year he was playing professionally somewhere and yeah he was a pretty good player in his day Mm -hmm. and uh he's one of those guys he had that kind of wiry body you know and he he just i don't he i don't i don't remember him ever really getting hurt he was just one of those guys that could keep on playing and and jim cott was that kind of like that for as a pitcher right yeah you know he was a lefty he was a great lefty starter and he was he you know he had a great career as a, a lefty starter and then he kind of transformed into a lefty reliever and he could get, he could get batters out well into, uh, you know, he played 25 years. So I'm sure he could have kept on going because even his last year, he played on a world series championship team. So yeah. um, I don't, I don't think anyone forced Jim caught out. I think Jim, Jim said, okay, I think I'm going to try to excel on something else. And he, be, he became a fantastic broadcaster. He yeah. is a very accomplished broadcaster. I don't know. If you've heard him doing games, but he is very good at
2: it. Yeah, he did one I think during the playoffs, if I remember right, this past year that I was able to listen to a little bit of there. But yeah, it's always great having the uh, having the perspective of former players on broadcasts like that. So I'm always a big fan of anything like that.
1: Well, you know, we we went uh, extra long today. I want to thank you guys for hanging around. Uh, Hopefully, you you loved our our wisdom that we imparted to you. Uh, I want to congratulate our two. Raffle winners Kenny Hodgkins and Julian Ho for winning TTM Cast T-shirts. If you'd like to win, register to win a TTM Cast T-shirt. There's two ways to register. One, you have to you can send our our text line. What, what's our text line again?
2: That would be 978-729-0662.
1: Or you can email us at
2: TTMcast at Yahoo.com.
1: Yeah, All you need is your name your mailing address, and your T-shirt size. And I think I'll give away two more T-shirts next week. We're kind of tw- dwindling down our inventory on those. And, um, they are cool shirts. They say uh, cards are in the front with the test logo right on the back. And uh, the only way to get these T-shirts is to how, – how can you get them, Drew? There's only two ways to get them. What's the What's the two ways to get a T-shirt? This is going to be that
2: text line and that email that we've been uh, pitching throughout the show. So make sure you get in on one of those two.
1: Right, or you can try to accost me at a card show if you see me, because every once in a while I I have a couple hanging around. And uh, not, if you're a TTMcast listener, I might be able to be persuaded to to give a, a T-shirt out. That's how Drew got his. So we got we got a, a few left in the inventory. So send your your uh, entries to that. Um, next week we have Max Spiegel, who is president of CSG, on. He talks about um, the year of grading cards. They started the Cards for a year talks about what he learned how the market has changed what is the plans for CSG and the grading community are for 2022 we also talk fanatics and the top steel and it's it's kind of cool to hear somebody uh an insider Max is solely an insider CSG is one of the leading card graders he, he has his finger on the pulse of the hobby and it's a, a great interview to so turn into that that show will be next Sunday on the 23rd, and I want to remind everybody that our new show, our radio show on the SportsMap radio network. It's called the Sports Collectors Club. We'll be debuting on Sundays or on every Sunday from 7 a.m to 8 a.m. Uh, if you don't catch it for one reason or other, you can always go to the Club.com. All the show shows will be available there if you listen to and download. It is uh, the only nationally syndicated weekly radio show that deals exclusively with sports collecting. That's all we talk about. We don't talk about anything else but sports cards, collecting, and autographs. And um, it's a fun fun show. um, And keep in mind, we will always be doing the podcast, right, Drew? We are not going to forego the podcast or the radio show. The radio show is just something extra. So the TTMcast show will be going every week as usual. Uh, we have all sorts of cool stuff. And I got a, a free time NBA All-Star that I interviewed the other day. I've got a couple other interviews already lined up, and we are looking into end of February, if you can believe. So we are um, we we've got a lot of in, industry insiders and former athletes that we're talking to. Uh, if you have any uh, interest in being potentially a future guest on the show, if you want to, may make a suggestion about a guest that you'd like to see. Just let me know because. Uh, We'll do our best to get get him or her on. Um, Drew, anything else you want to talk about before I I let you go? I think that about covers it pretty
2: well. Looking forward to the uh, Dallas Card Show and hopefully have a report for that that next week.
1: All right, guys. Well, that, that wraps up this week. As always, wishing everyone many happy returns. We will see you guys next week.